Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. So under the Obama administration, um, there was, according to the Washington Post reporting, uh, you know, a surging number of unaccompanied minors being apprehended at the border. In 2014, there were nearly 70,000, according to the Post reporting. And that same year, there was this image of children being kept in a cage at a detention center. Do you see any parallels here? How different is what we're seeing today from these images? In many ways, and I think I was, I don't know what image you're using, but I released some of those photos because it was kept very quiet under the Obama administration. There were large numbers of people coming in. The Obama administration was trying to keep this quiet. And, and I don't know which image you're using, but I let I released some photos uh, that I had gone about those young kids who were kept there. And we're still seeing a, a numbers. And, and keep in mind, when they talk about putting some of the young kids in, in those centers, not all of them are being separated. Some of them are coming alone, as, as Ed said mm -hmm. a few minutes ago. Some of them are coming on their own. So it's not a matter that every single uh, child that we have in those centers are being separated because mm -hmm. some of them are coming alone. Uh, keep in mind that under the law, you can separate uh, a child if that, that person, the adult, is not a, the real parent or, or mm -hmm. the custodian because sometimes we see situations where they'll bring a child because they know of the policy that we have over mm -hmm. here with children, or at least what we used to have. Or if, uh, if there's a criminal offense, and, but they're mm -hmm. using this no zero tolerance to, to separate, mm -hmm. and that's uh, an area that I think mm -hmm. we need to look at. Wow, welcome to Stacy on the Right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. What you just heard was a Democrat, not a Republican, a Democrat explaining that things aren't quite as simple as they seem. It's not as easy as Jimmy Kimmel yelling at Senator Ted Cruz on the arena of a basketball court. Is he spending more time practicing basketball because Kimmel got beat than he is working on this immigration crisis? The question really is, which of our elected officials actually believes that it's a good idea to leave the border open so that nefarious actors can traffic children into America? That's the question. Welcome to the show. Stacey Washington host Stacey on the right. And we have a jam-packed show for you today. We have two guests. We're going to talk to Steve Aiden. He's the chief legal officer and general counsel for Americans United for Life. Turns out Missouri has defunded, defunded Planned Parenthood in favor of sending those dollars, tax dollars, to organizations that don't perform abortions. This is a huge victory for us here in the state of Missouri. And we hope to see this result replicated across the country. We're also going to speak to Mark Lauder. He's the former press secretary for Mike Pence, who's now the vice president of the United States. And he's going to come on and talk to us a little bit more about the reigning issue of the day, according to the Democrats, immigration. So we have that and we have so much more. Right now, I want to listen to a bit of audio of our president, President Donald Trump, addressing this issue. We wouldn't have this issue had President Obama taken care of it or President Bush. These are intervening problems that remain continuances from previous administrations. The fact that the president has decided to simply go with what the law says, and that is irking so many people, is a testimony to just how far away from the rule of law we've gotten in this country. Now, I, I, I saw the, the clip. Uh, the, the reporter, I'm not going to, his, his name is verboten on this show. He goes to the White House press briefing. He screams at Sarah Huckabee Sanders, you're a mom. How can you stand this? as if Sarah Huckabee Sanders is the one who passed this law into legislation. Turns out it was 
heavily democratically supported. And it was before President Obama was in office. So the idea that it's suddenly a problem now is just more democratic posturing. They want to motivate and activate their base for the midterm. The gun control issue has fizzled out and now they're on to the border. But instead of admitting that we have bad actors from really the south of the border that are dictating our policy, Democrats want to make this seem as if it's a Republican issue, as if only Republicans agree with ripping children from their parents. There are a few facts that we need to share. We're going to get into those. First, the president put the ball into the court of the legislative side of the government. Remember, we have the executive, legislative, and then we have the courts. We need the legislative branch to create law that the president can sign that seals the border and deals with the explosion of children who are showing up unaccompanied and children who are showing up with people who are not their parents. So that's technically trafficking at our, our southern border. It's number eight. The United States will not be a migrant camp and it will not be a refugee holding facility. Won't be. You look at what's happening in Europe, you look at what's happening in other places, we can't allow that to happen to the United States, not on my watch. For the rest of the world, you look at everything that's taking place, pick up your newspapers this morning, and you see. We want safety and we want security for our country. If the Democrats would sit down instead of obstructing, we could have something done very quickly. Good for the children, good for the country, good for the world. It could take place quickly. We could have an immigration bill. We could have child separation. We're stuck with these horrible laws. They're horrible laws. What's happening is so sad, is so sad. And it can be taken care of quickly, beautifully, and we'll have safety. So the president is talking about this law that says that if a child appears at the border with someone who is not their relative, meaning their mother or their father, there's no documentation to show that this child actually belongs to them, and the person has presented themselves at a part of the border that is not an entry point, that person has committed a crime. They've entered America illegally, and because of that, they have to be detained. Now, if they're claiming they want to come here for asylum, they have to present themselves at one of our ports of entry. In other words, you stroll up to the port of entry, you wait in line, you fill out a piece of paper, and you explain briefly on the paper what your reason for claiming asylum is, and then you are ushered through the asylum process. You don't need a child with you. you, don't, you if you have a child with you, the child is not taken from you as long as you can document that it's your child, and that's it. These people are asking parents, hey, I'm a mule. I can get your child into the United States. I'm willing to make the journey. For $9,000, I'll take your child to the United States and get them inside the border. That's what they're saying. Now, when you take someone else's child, you tell me, how easy is it for you to prove that you are the parent or relative of a child that's not yours? It's kind of hard to do in our country. You have to know somebody in the black market who'll falsify documents for you. Here in our country, you cannot get that done easily. So imagine how much harder it is in Mexico where their government is collapsing. This is not apples to apples comparison 
when you talk about people coming here from Mexico and even further, Guatemala, south of Mexico, any, any, pla- any country down there. These people are fleeing because they don't have functioning governments or the governments that they do have are so corrupt, they probably don't even have documentation. And what they have, if they're able to prove that that's their child, the child is not ripped from them. If they come in through one of our ports of entry, the child is not ripped from them. You know who the real bad actors are here? Let's talk about this. CNN. They actually have a documentary. They call it a documentary. I call it a fakeumentary. They have their fakeumentary that they play down there on television. It's a paid ad that they run on television in countries south of the border, teaching them how to flout immigration laws here in the U.S. so they can come here and stay illegally. And so these people are going off of these old fakeumentaries with bad information that don't reflect current law, and they're coming in incorrectly, and then they're being punished because they're breaking the law. Now, I, I want to know two things from those of you who are sitting up and you've got your Bible. You've, let, me, let me make sure I get this, this properly. You've got your classic antique Bible and you're clutching it and you're just so much better than the rest of us who believe in the rule of law. And you actually are looking down at the rest of us and you're judging us and you're saying, you, know, you guys are some really evil people because God's word says you have to take care of the children and you can't ever take a kid from their parents. When the reality is that kids are taken from their parents every day when the parents break the law. It's happening somewhere right now. Somewhere right now, kids are going into foster care here in America. Children who are American citizens and all of us good taxpayers are paying for their food and their water and for them to go to to, uh, uh, foster care, someone, a family in the system that is there to take care of them. Or we're paying very little for one of the private charities and organizations like Safe Home to take that child in for a short period of time while the parents go and deal with whatever situation they're facing, whether it's an arraignment or they're going into jail and they have to post bail and they're going to be gone for a week or two or six weeks until they can get that bail together. They don't have any family that's willing to take the child. So a Safe Home takes the child. This is happening all over the country. And I don't see liberals protesting that. I have never seen a liberal go into an inner city neighborhood and stand on the corner with a sign and say, the U.S. government or the state of Missouri or the city of St. Louis is wrong for ripping children from their parents when parents are dealing drugs, prostituting themselves, or abusing those children, and they get, the family gets ripped apart. Let's face it. Liberals don't give two pennies about people being ripped apart. If they did, they would oppose abortion. The ultimate in ripping apart of families where a human child is ripped limb from limb and then the parts are sold by Planned Parenthood to research organizations around this country. Universities buying the parts of babies. They don't have a problem with that. They don't have a problem with black families being ripped apart. The parents can't find work. The kids are not being taken care of as the best way they can. And the families are ripped apart. No, the reason they care so much about families being ripped apart right now is because November is coming. And their one get-out-of-jail-free card, their one let's-make-it-right-for-Hillary card, their one we-didn't-get-what-we-wanted-and-we're-not-going-to-stop-kicking-and-screaming-until-we-do card, the investigation into Donald Trump and collusion by the Trump campaign with Russians, that has swiftly fallen apart. And we're going to get to that today in the show. We're going to talk about and listen to audio from Trey Gowdy and some others who really broke this down very well. The reason why they are freaking out and they have stood up this new fake issue about kids being ripped from parents at the border is because they just knew they were going to be able to impeach Donald Trump. All they had to do was take the house, take the house 
impeach Donald Trump. He doesn't have to be removed from office, but it would completely cripple him and it would end his agenda in the United States. It would end it. He would no longer be able to go around fixing the economy, slashing regulations, rescuing families who've really been ripped apart. Because, you know, there are families who've really been ripped apart. Ask Jamil Shaw's family how they've been ripped apart. Black family had their son killed by an illegal immigrant. Sounds to me like their family was ripped apart. They're never going to see him again. Not on this side of glory. There are many, many families, thousands of them, who've had their lives torn apart because their children have been raped. They've had their children killed. They've had people kidnapped. MS-13 has decapitated their family member. And the liberals have never protested that not one day. They've never said anything nice about Kate Steinle walking down the street with her father after dinner, gunned down by an illegal immigrant. They actually defended that guy. So they cannot ever claim the high road on ripping families apart. You know what's bad? It's when you decide as a parent, you're going to use your child as a way to get into another country so you can live better. And you know your child will be taken from you at the border and you do it anyway. That's dastardly. That's horrible. That's awful. That's what they should be protesting. They should be protesting the fact that, and I have that for you too. I, this story, I couldn't believe. We're not even going to get into it in this segment because we're at the end of the segment. There's a, there's a piece out by a woman who moved to uh, what she calls, she moved outside of the defensible border of the United States. And when she did, she learned what so many thousands of Americans know who live on the border between U.S., the United States, and Mexico. These people literally wake up in the middle of the night to illegal immigrants holding them at gunpoint with their own guns. They come home from the grocery store to illegal immigrants wearing their clothes, standing them down in their driveway with guns. They actually live in areas where law enforcement doesn't enforce the law of the United States and illegal immigration Illegal immigrants and drug lords run that part of the U.S. Yet I see liberals running around with signs trying to make me believe like fake Jimmy Kimmel that they care about families being ripped apart. Until you care about those ranchers and those American citizens who are losing their land and their lives, until you care about the unborn, until you care about American kids, most of them black, whose parents are incarcerated, because they've had these horrible living conditions right here in the U.S. Miss me with your virtue signaling. We know you don't care about kids. You just want to win an election that you botched two years ago. Uh Uh-oh. Are you triggered? Not enough yet. I'm going to get back to it right after these messages. Stay right there. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You know, we only go to the Holy Land once a year, and that's in March. Last year, we filled up several months in advance. So if you want to go in March of 2019, it's time to look at the details. You can get a brochure from us at 800-FAMILIES, 1-800-F-A-M-I-L-I-E-S, option 5, and leave us your name and your telephone number, or go to TW. Holyland.com, TWHolyland.com. It's going to be a wonderful time in Israel. We'll go to the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River, 
the holy city of Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Masada, the Dead Sea, and on and on the list goes. If you'd like to go with us in March of 2019, all the information is available at twholyland.com. Order a brochure by calling 800-FAMILIES, option 5. Hello, I'm Pastor Joseph Parker, and this is Daily Time in the Word. It's our goal to help you better understand the great blessing of spending time in God's Word every single day. In the Word of God, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 14, it tells us these words, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. In God's Word, Psalm 119, verse 105 tells us, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you're not reading the Word of God every day, today is a good day to start this very, very important habit. If you don't take the time to get into God's Word daily, you don't know what you're missing. It's so important for us to understand that We're designed to fill our lives with the precious and powerful Word of God. I want to challenge you to start the important habit of reading God's Word daily, and specifically, I want to challenge you to start reading at least three chapters in your Bible each and every day. Three chapters is a good basic spiritual meal, and you can do three chapters in about 12 to 15 minutes, but it'll bless your day and it'll bless your life. God's Word brings healing and wholeness to our lives. So I want to challenge you, if you're not reading God's Word daily, Start that habit today, and it'll bless you tremendously. Lord, thank you for the wonderful gift of your word. Anoint every listener with a fresh and mighty anointing that would encourage them to get into your word absolutely every day and allow their life to be blessed, empowered, enriched, and lifted up as they spend time in your word day by day. Thank you for the wonderful gift of your word and empower us to be in it each and every day. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on Urban Family Talk. All right, just before we get to our guest, we're talking, oh, okay, nope, we had someone who called in and she dropped. Um, if you want to call back the last segment, we have it free and we'd love to talk to you. Uh, right now, it's my pleasure to welcome our first guest of this program today and this super important topic for us, um, which is that Missouri has taken some extraordinary steps. Uh, to ensure the safety of women, and I am so excited about it, is Steve Aiden, Chief Legal Officer and General Counsel for Americans United for Life. Steve, thanks for joining the show today. My pleasure, Stacey. Thank you. So let's talk about this. I am excited because I've been waiting for this development for a few years now, ever since I realized that there are over 33,000 individual federally funded clinics that exist in every state across this country Uh, And we have an abundance of them, 588, according to information from 2015, 588 of those clinics that are federally funded here in in the state of Missouri that do not provide abortion, but provide full reproductive care and other care. So if you go in and you have something going on reproductively as a woman, but you also have something going on with your elbow or your wrist, you can see a doctor for that as well. In other words, it's a full medical suite of options for you that doesn't have abortion uh, tell us about what's going on. Sure, Stacy. Last week, the uh, Missouri uh, legislature uh, enacted an appropriations bill to defund Planned Parenthood. Simple as that. They said that 
uh, Planned Parenthood abortion providers, those who refer for abortion, would not be eligible for Medicaid reimbursement. Uh, Planned Parenthood has screamed and squawked, of course, but the fact is, as you said, uh, in most states, um, publicly funded health centers, comprehensive preventive care centers outnumber Planned Parenthoods by 20 to 1. It's actually higher in Missouri. It's more like 45 to 1. Um, so there is no question of access. Women can get all the care they need and will get better care at one of these other places because uh, they offer preventive, holistic, comprehensive care for women that you just won't get at a Planned Parenthood. So it's good news for women's health and uh, good news for the taxpayers of uh, Missouri because they won't be asked to subsidize abortion anymore. So uh, Planned Parenthood performs about 900 abortions a day. And out of that 900 abortions a day that they perform, about 40% of them are on black women. So this represents a loss of life in the black community of roughly 40% of our population. So we're at about Mm -hmm. 38 to 40 million black Americans in this country. But if you add on the 40% of us that are missing, it's a significant reduction in the number of people of African-American descent, black descent, Haitian descent, et cetera, that mm-hmm. actually exist. It's, it's literally the worst genocide against black people that has ever happened. It's far worse by orders of magnitude than what happened during slavery and Jim Crow and the Ku Klux Klan uh, reign of terror. You add all of those numbers together and they dwarf in comparison to the lo- loss of life to abortion for black Americans today due to Planned Parenthood. Oh, Stacey, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. They're pushing 20 million African-American abortions since Roe versus Wade made abortion legal in all 50 states. And uh, that's one of the huge, huge reasons to overturn Roe, which is what Americans United for Life is trying hard to do in all the states uh, and in courts across the land. So we hope and pray that we are getting close. Uh, the election of President Trump and the uh, nomination of uh, pro-life Justice Neil Gorsuch uh, has set us on the right track. We are hoping and praying for at least another, maybe two more nominations to the Supreme Court. But in point of fact, the president has put uh, some fantastic pro-life people on the federal courts of appeals, you know, the level just below the Supreme Court. And we're very, very happy to see uh, his nominations there as well as to the federal trial courts. So he's pushing hard. Uh, He's way ahead of where um, President Obama was at the same time in his presidency. And so at this rate, hopefully he can, uh, the president can see a real change in the way that the federal judiciary regards uh, state actions like the one Missouri just took. Of course, you know, the other side will sue on it probably, uh, and these cases get fought out in the courts all the time. Uh, The U.S. Supreme Court has been asked to take uh, cases out of Kansas and out of Louisiana asking the court to clarify that, yeah, states can defund Planned Parenthood from Medicaid. Uh, we filed a brief on behalf of both those states. Our latest brief uh, by American United for Life was on behalf of 90 members of Congress, 24 U.S. Senators, 66 members of the House, telling the Supreme Court this is not what Medicaid was for. Uh, so we hope and pray that that will be successful. And I, and I ask the listeners who join in praying about that, you know, just add it to your prayer list and, and continue to lift it up before the Lord. We are really expectant. We are 
hopeful. We, we look for the Lord to answer because God loves justice and he loves it when his people pray for justice. And so we're looking for that. And I just want to be clear because as you and I are talking, I am certain that there is someone in the listening audience, well, Stacy just you know hates abortion and she doesn't understand that sometimes the circumstances are horrible and Stacy doesn't care about women having access to uh, reproductive care, which is what Planned Parenthood claims to provide. But the truth is, if you want a full suite of options available to you, from blood work to STD testing to regular preventative care, preventative medical care for women, as well as the ability to have your your lab sent out and then you have a referral to another doctor in the same clinic or somewhere else, these are all things that Planned Parenthood cannot do. They can do the STD testing, but they can't do the mammograms and they can't refer you to anyone. The, the better option for you is to be at an actual healthcare clinic that has to abide by the standards of safety of every healthcare clinic, which are mandated not just federally, but in each state they have extra high standards of care for medical clinics that have to be adhered to. Oh, Stacey, you're really blessed me when you say those things because you so totally get it. The truth is that so-called reproductive health care was invented by Planned Parenthood about 40 years ago. It's actually their business model. What they do is they get uh, gals, especially young gals, uh, going on, uh, on chemical birth control. They don't always tell them very well that it doesn't protect them from, uh, from uh, you know, chlamydia and AIDS and other uh, sexually transmitted infections, so then they get them back in for sexually transmitted infection testing and treatment. And then when uh, contraception fails, as it inevitably does uh, in a certain percentage of times, they have them back in for the abortion. That's their three-legged stool. It's their business model. They say that's so-called women's reproductive health. The fact is that you know so well, and my beloved wife and girl, girls know so well that women are so much more than just their reproductive parts. Their whole persons, they deserve whole care. The biggest killer for Americans uh, is uh, diabetes, heart disease. Uh, those are kinds of things that Planned Parenthood cannot screen you for. They cannot really screen you for breast cancer either, by the way, because they do not provide the gold standard, the standard of practice for breast cancer screening, which is mammogram. No Planned Parenthood in America offers mammograms. They just offer referrals. So you're better off going to a place that does. You're better off going to a place that will actually give you a doctor, uh, unlike Planned Parenthood, to take care of you, to guide you through all this, provide preventive, holistic care. And that's what Missouri's done, and that's what 16 other states have uh, done in defunding Planned Parenthood. It's time for this regime of abortion and sexually transmitted infection to end. Yeah, and and perfectly put, Steve. And I, I'm I'm just wanting to caution and encourage women in the audience, especially for your daughters, to start off your mammogram care when the when your primary care physician or internist says, "Hey, you know, you're you're now in the range where you need to have a mammogram every year." Going to Planned Parenthood for a referral doesn't create that chain where you get a reminder every year for your mammogram the way it does when you go specifically straight to uh, the 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 hospital or, uh, you know, they're usually, they're smaller hospitals. So instead of going to the main hospital, you might go to one of their imaging and radiology centers where they do all of the different kinds of screenings and MRIs and things like that. And they'll have a breast center or a women's center within that location. Mm -hmm. You go in, you make your appointment. And what they'll do is they get your insurance information. They take all of your information down. You go in and have the mammogram the first time. And then true to form for moms, we're, we're managing everyone's health care. So often our reminders 
for ourselves fall to the wayside. But what that mammography center will do is three months before your next scheduled appointment, they will send you a reminder card in the mail. You'll get an email and they'll say, don't forget, we, you schedule with us to be here on this day or we need you to call in and make an appointment to be here because you're, you're due for your annual checkup. That creates a baseline for them to compare. Last year, this is what your breasts look like. This year, they look like this. That looks normal to us or that doesn't look normal. Going to Planned Parenthood means you're getting referred to a different place every time. They don't have anything to compare it to and it messes up what should be a good annual continual care type of a model for women, which is another way of me saying Planned Parenthood doesn't work well for women and they don't have your best interests at heart. That's right, Stacey. I hope your listeners know that they are so blessed to have you uh, give them this information because a lot of folks don't know this. And one other thing to note is, and this is horrible, that uh, abortion, especially more than one abortion, greatly increases the risk for breast cancer for women. It's not the abortion that causes breast cancer, but it elevates the risk for breast cancer because it removes the preventive effect that a full-term pregnancy and lactation provide. And that's over 40 peer-reviewed studies internationally have documented that. Uh, So there is a link between abortion and breast cancer. The other side denies it. They don't want you to know it, but it's there, and it's really sad. And that's why, and yet another reason, why going to Planned Parenthood is a bad idea for your health. It is. It is. And and we're not saying this to frighten anyone, but information is power. The Bible says we are destroyed for a lack of knowledge and that wisdom stands in the gate and waits for us to knock. And so we have to be proactive when when you're when you're listening to the Planned Parenthood say, well, this is this is what we provide. We have your best interest at heart. Just double check it. We're not we're not talking about um, uh, you know not having the information. We're talking about getting it and then making a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so you can verify. He said forty peer reviewed studies. Google it. That's why we have Bing and and DuckDuckGo. Check it out for yourself. But the main thing, pray about what your your best choice is. I think it's more glorifying to God that you use a medical suite of options. Take care of your whole medical uh, picture to make sure that you have a good uh, a good range of options to take care of yourself. And, and that's just good common sense. But don't take it from Steve and I. Take it for yourself by looking online. Spend a few minutes checking, what does my Planned Parenthood option why don't you just call them? Call the Planned Parenthood in your area. If you've been going to them for some services, maybe birth control, ask them, well, do, do you actually perform mammograms there? I'm not there yet, but I'm going to be in a couple of years. I'm going to need a mammogram. Or, you know, do you, do you provide referrals to other doctors? If you find something wrong with me that you can't, do you, can you refer me out or do I call? Just ask and they'll tell you what they do. It's not going to be what you're looking for, but you can get the answer for yourself. And, and that's what I recommend people to do. Gotcha. All right. Thank you so much, Steve. Uh, Steve Aiden, Chief Legal Officer and General Counsel for AUL. I'm rejoicing over here over this great turn of events here in Missouri. Hope to see it happen in more states across the country. All right. So that was Steve, and we had a great interview with him. If you want to call into the show and talk about this or any other topics, 866-963-2037. And I also want to, if if you're feeling discouraged, uh, if you're post-abortive and you're listening to him talk about the increase in the risk for breast cancer, give your cares to the Almighty, pray over that, um, and and check out some of the resources that are at pregnancy resource centers and thrive centers across the country. 
Um, they have healing Bible studies and, and ways that you can start to work your way back from being in that situation. Um, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Once you realize you've done wrong, you can do better. And, and that's, that's what Jesus came to do for us, to save us from our sins and bring us into forgiveness and rightness with our Father. So um, now I want to get to, we're, we're kind of going back and forth, and I want to say thanks to everyone who's listening in and also people who are um, watching the live stream, um, which looks like something's going on with the Facebook live stream. There's like no live stream there. Um, and then I, I'm not sure what's going on, if that's all over the place. I'll double check. And to you, the listener on Terrestrial Radio, thank you so much for being there. Um, at Stacy on the Right on Twitter and Instagram, and StacyOnTheRight.com is the website. We will take your calls when we get back from the break. We also have this big, this, this is the story. This is the big bombshell story. And I just find it so interesting that now that we know what's happened, that we have so many who have been able to, Trey Gowdy, um, a, a number of people coming on to, Re Representative John Ratcliffe, um, you have Judge Napolitano, you name it. People are out there and they're having these discussions about what this IG report means. And what's so funny about it is that um, when you look at the IG report in and of itself, it was expected that it would be this big nothing burger. In fact, on, on the first day that it was released, I hadn't had time to review, obviously, 500 and some odd pages just released like almost simultaneously to the beginning of our show that day. And I didn't have time to check and see what, what exactly is this? What's going on? Um, and so I, what I was reading in the summaries was, you know, it's not a lot because the, the language that the IG used to describe what happened was, of course, there was no bias. Well, the bias didn't impact the decisions that were made. But if you then read the report, it's actually pretty cutthroat. It's pretty much saying that people made decisions based on their political ideology and that there was no one in the FBI who was heading up any investigations who was actually for the president. Only people against him, which is pretty amazing. Like, that is amazing. So uh, we're going to get into that, and we'll take calls. Uh, the call lines are open, 866-963-2037. When we get back, you're going to hear Trey Gowdy talking about how Bob Mueller needs to know he's being used by the Democrats to beat President Trump. And He's saying that because the assumption by everyone is that Bob Mueller, who is career, you know, so he's survived many, many presidential administrations, that he is someone that is above reproach and actually values his credibility and his job. If that's the case, then he would not want to be used as an instrument to take down an administration. And so Trey Gowdy has some words on that. It was a fantastic interview. He was on with Maria Bartiromo. I took a couple of audio sound bites for you, so we'll get into those. We'll unpack them, and then we'll circle back around to the border um, with our guest second hour, Mark Lauder, and we'll also take calls on that as well, so keep it here.
people in the world, we've all done or will do the following. Be birthed into this earth, grow, go to school, maybe go to college, get married, have kids, grow old, and die. Doesn't sound too eventful when put in that perspective. For many, the thought of discipling someone is foreign from the mind and not even on the to-do list. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus tells us to go ye therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. A disciple is more than a student. He or she is a follower of Jesus Christ. There are a lot of things in this world, but there's nothing like being a Christian. It's a life filled with adventures. Receiving an education, vacationing, marriage, having kids are good, but there's nothing like taking the time to nourish someone in God's word so that they can be a force to be reckoned with. That is priceless. With a heart for the Urban Family, I'm today's Urban Woman, Victory McIntosh. Connect with us at UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Listen to Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on Urban Family Talk. She's sharp. I mean, did you hear that? Pointed. Remember that you're not only a Christian on Sunday. And insightful. Deception and lies have been accepted as the norm from the Democrats. But most of all, she's on the right. That scripture from the Bible that says the heart of the fool inclines to the left just kept popping into my mind. Stacy on the Right. Now heard weekday afternoons from 2 to 4 Central on Urban Family Talk. Family is an institution set forth by God, one man and one woman for life, with the outflow being children produced by that union. It's obvious to all that there is an attack on the family in our country, and especially on fathers. Whether it's the cycle of sin that persists in our families or the pressure from our government to exclude men from being intimately involved, the strategic battle is on for the souls of men. Join us in the battle to strengthen fatherhood urbanfamilytalk.com. Hi, I'm Will Addison. And I'm Miki. From airing the Addisons on Urban Family Talk. We'd like to invite you to the Marriage, Family, and Life Conference coming up August 17th and 18th. The list of speakers is amazing. We have Ryan Baumberger of the Radiance Foundation, Dr. Clarence Schuler of Building Lasting Relationships, Abraham Hamilton III, Pastor Bert Harper and his wife Jan, Stacy Washington, Lonnie Poindexter, Pastor Dexter Sanders, and we'll be there too. There's a direct attack by the enemy on marriage and family, and babies in the womb are treated like political footballs instead of life. We want to encourage and equip the body of Christ to fight for the restoration of the family. If we can get our families on track, a lot of society's problems could be solved. The Marriage, Family, and Life Conference is from Urban Family Communications, a division of the American Family Association. You can learn more and register at urbanfamilytalk.com. This is Stacy on the Right on Urban Family Talk. I find this very significant because you have not been uh, in the tank for, for President Trump on all of this. I'm you, not now. I'm not no, now. No, 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 I understand that. I'm not saying you are now, but I'm, are you saying this morning that Donald Trump is off the hook in the Mueller investigation. Well, I don't know what Mueller has. I do know this, that bias is so pervasive and everyone who's ever stood in front of a jury and had to explain it away will tell you it is the most miserable feeling of the world in the world. And I have never seen this level of bias. So you have Peter Strzok, who can't think of a single American who can vote for Donald Trump. And you got Peter Strzok, who says, we'll stop it. The campaign and the presidency will stop the campaign, and then if that doesn't work, the day after the election, he's talking about impeachment. So how would you like that to be your lead investigator? 
Two weeks after you're assigned to look into what a foreign country did to us, the only thing he can think to talk about is an insurance policy to keep Donald Trump from winning, and then he says, we'll stop it. I assume the we is the FBI, so how would you like, if you're Bob Mueller, to present that case to a jury? Welcome back to Stacy on the Right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Oh, wow. This is some, like really dramatic stuff we have going on here uh, with this IG report and the text message, the one specific text message about we will stop it between Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, that that wasn't included in the document request to Congress. So they actually found out about that text message just like you and I did at the same time when the IG report came out. It was withheld from them. Also, Peter Strzok still works for the FBI. How is that possible? Also, he went from mismanaging and subverting the investigation into Hillary Clinton's emails to running the investigation into President Trump and possible collusion with the Russians. Now, why would he do that? Why would he be the one who was in charge of something? Why wouldn't he have said, I can't run this investigation because I'm hopelessly biased against this guy? No, but that's the point. The point is you're hopelessly biased against him. You don't want to have to uh, exonerate him. Your intention is to get rid of him. So, of course, you want to be on that investigation. His attorney has said that he's not willing to just, you know, uh, skip lightly over to Congress and testify. But Trey Gowdy says differently. It's number three. You are co-chairing a hearing on Tuesday where the inspector general, Michael Horowitz, who issued this damaging report, will appear. What are the main questions you want to ask him? Well, there are a bunch. It's a 500-page report, and the good news, Chris, is Michael Horowitz proved uh, what we wanted the FBI and the DOJ to do, which is that you can have an investigation that is fact-centric and fair and even-handed. There are a lot of questions I have for him. Number one, you know, the Hillary Clinton failure to prosecute was predicated upon two things. Number one, that her emails were not exposed to foreign actors. Uh, There's some evidence that that's not true. Number two, that there was no evidence of intent. Um, Well, of course, there's no evidence of intent. You didn't bother to ask her. You went into the interview knowing that she was not going to be charged. So I think some members will ask about that. A lot of members are going to ask about the bias. The same team that exonerated her implicated him before the investigation began. And I suspect some members will ask about the coziness between the FBI and the media. So there's a number of different issues that are highlighted here in this interview. And... There's so much more to it. And I I don't want to exaggerate or minimize the seriousness of what he describes when he's talking about himself being a prosecutor. I've read a number of different pieces over the weekend and leading up into today uh, that just were, were it's attorneys, attorneys describing how difficult it is to get a jury to believe what an investigator says about the, you know, what they found if they're also found to have been biased. So, you know, imagine criminal investigation of any kind and you have the police officers who did the investigation or maybe they're investigators, they're, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're not beat cops. They're, you know, the level up from that. 
and they've been investigating, you know, a break in, a robbery, what have you. And then you come to find out during the course of the trial, the defense puts on text messages, you know, email messages where these two individuals who are supposed to be tasked with investigating this, they've instead, you know, they know the defendant, they hate the defendant. They have actively worked to subvert the defendant's, you know, ability to do their work or to to access justice. They've left certain other individuals who might be uh, involved in this off of the investigation. They've not interviewed them. Um, Any possible alternative suspects, they've refused to look into them. They've been really bent on prosecuting this one person and they want that person brought to justice. And so They've forsaken all of our other avenues of investigation in favor of getting, you know, getting this person. When that kind of information comes before a jury, juries, the first thing you imagine is that, I mean, think about it for yourself. What if this was me? What if they came after me like this? I would want the jury to set me free because the possibility that I, that I did a crime is outweighed by the fact that these people made up their mind before they even investigated. They didn't even look to see if the evidence pointed to me, they just said, hey, it points to, you know, that that's it. So what I think we hear Trey Gowdy explaining here is how as a prosecutor himself, the very worst thing he could do is go before a jury where that jury had to decide something based on, uh, decide, decide a case where bias was found, where bias was prevalent. So in all of these, developments. Of course, we saw the president and we even mentioned this on the show on Friday. The president said, hey, you know, this thing exonerates me. He was very happy with the result. And and Trey Gowdy says elsewhere in the interview, he doesn't know what Mueller has. So Mueller could very well have something that is damaging to the president. But as damaging as it might be, whatever it is that he could possibly have, the bias that's present here and the fact that, and who knows if Mueller knew about the text messages or anything like that, if he knew about Strzok's hatred of Donald Trump, the fact is Strzok came from the Clinton investigation over to the Mueller matter and he ran the investigation there. And so everything that Strzok has touched is tainted if you live in regular world. Now, if you live in bizarro world, then it's not tainted and you can just set aside the evidence of Strzok's bias and the other five agents. So you, it's not just one guy. It's not just one guy and his girlfriend. It's another couple who eventually ended up getting married and three other people. So you've got Strzok and Paige and five other people. So seven people actively working to remove the president of the United States either before he's inaugurated, during the campaign, or after. How do you get that past a jury and get people to still say that, that there was collusion on the part of the Trump campaign? So without knowing what Mueller has, I, I go back to where we've been this whole time. Scratch a scandal. Find someone who hates Donald Trump. We have to adjust it. It's not even uh, scratch a scandal, find a Democrat. It's scratch a scandal, find a person who's suffering from Trump derangement syndrome. Strzok and Page were literally almost out of their minds with just a wanton desire to stop Donald Trump from being the president of the United States. They almost worshiped Hillary Clinton. If you read their text, I'm with her, you know, Madam President. We interviewed Madam President. What? She hadn't been elected. 
I mean, and you know how it is. We know how we all are about our, our people. You know, we all have somebody who we're like, that person, you know, they're that they're they're everything. We all have someone that we think of that way. It might be someone we respect professionally, or it might be, you know, someone in, in Christendom who is a pastor or a preacher, teacher, songwriter, someone who, you know, the, the soundtrack to our lives. It could be someone that you work with or someone who's mentored you or someone you've been in Bible study with and you you just see their life as a shining example. We all have different people. But when you let your fervor for that person, whether you are wanting them to be elected or you want them to get a promotion or whatever it is, to get outside of your personal feelings and to get into the work arena, Strzok has contaminated the FBI. And his leadership, nine months as the head investigator into the Trump-Russia collusion matter, how I, it feels like it should all be thrown out. It feels like if we were watching Law & Order right now, first of all, we'd all be like this. We'd be like, what? We would not be getting up to go for a bathroom break during the commercial. We'd be sitting there talking to each other. <laughs> can you believe what you just saw? Oh, my goodness. Second thing is, can you not imagine, um, you know, uh, McCoy going before the judge with this, and they find out that Benson and Stabler have a personal hatred for the person who's being prosecuted, and the judge would say, well, in light of the bias of the investigators in this case, everything, point fruit of the poisonous tree, everything that they worked on has to be thrown out, including evidence that they found, because we don't know if they really found it or if they planted it. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I don't pay, play one on TV. We have real lawyers on this on this uh, network. You five o'clock, you got Abraham Hamilton III. That's a real attorney for you. Um, in fact, I should, I should ask if he'll come on here and, and talk to us about the fruit of the poisonous tree and the, the whole idea that a person can literally throw a whole case against someone who could very well be guilty by being biased and going outside of what normal investigators do. And there are processes here. We heard last week when there was that press conference with uh, Ray, uh, FBI Director Ray, he came out and said the FBI has processes and they have things that they do that are required. And we, he said, you, in order to have an FBI that functions well, and investigates well, you have to follow those processes. And, and, and he's right. In a job as complex as that, if you don't have ground rules and, and standards of behavior, then as we've seen, biases can, can rear their ugly heads. And people can lose sight of what their real work is there, which is what happened to Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. And make no mistake about it, that, it, that extramarital affair that they were involved in, that physical relationship also clouded their judgment. They allowed their physical attraction for each other and their extra, like outside of work relationship, the physical interaction, the furtive nature of their engagements, you know, the secret texts, the... Un the encrypted messaging, the untraceable, they, they thought they were communicating in secret. And so it released their inhibitions. They were already an, in a poor judgment threshold because they were having an extramarital affair. But then, then there's, and it's, it's on the job and they knew that wasn't allowed. So they've got all that going on, all that wrongdoing. And then in the midst of that, they're trying to make these really difficult decisions. If you think about how clear-headed and level you have to be to be able to say, I voted for Hillary Clinton, but now I'm investigating the president of the United States, who wasn't my guy, and I need to be objective here. 
objectivity was out of the window the minute they realized that Donald Trump was a viable candidate and that he had literally that that Hillary Clinton's decisions from years before were jeopardizing her ability to gain the White House. And I think that's worth noting here. It's worth noting to say that it was no secret to Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, the people on her campaign, the people at the DNC, the people at the FBI. It was no secret that the decision that she made to have that homebrew server and to email the president from it and to conduct business on it, to remove classified markings, that everyone who came across the information became aware of the fact that this was not the behavior of someone who expected to be the, the president of the United States. So much so that I read a piece over the weekend over at True Pundit where they were kind of cobbling together all of the different analysis and information from a bunch of different sites. And they said that in one part of the IG report, it becomes evident that they stopped looking at additional witnesses because they realized that the scope of the breadth of where her emails had gone, the people who'd been emailed from the homebrew server that had received classified information down the chain, that those interactions numbered in the multiple tens of thousands. So instead of walling it off and saying, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? We're going to take Hillary Clinton. She's one. And then we're going to take her top three officials and examine their email. They just were like, nope, don't gather any more phones. Don't take, don't, don't gather any more devices. Don't ask for any more information on this because we have to limit the, the damage. It was like, like a, a wildfire burning over earth that has not been maintained. You got all kinds of brush and stuff built up. And the further it went, the hotter it burned. And so in order to contain it, they just turned their faces away and said, we'll just let it burn silently, but we're not going to look at it. We're not going to measure the acres. We're not going to do anything. That's the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigations of the United States of America, that is what they were doing instead of investigating her and prosecuting her for what she did wrong. But we're supposed to watch those same people investigate the president of the United States, the man who beat their idol. I mean, it's an interesting day to be alive in America. We'll be back with our two right after this. 